I'm Joni Holm with Prairie Doc Radio. This program is part of the Healing Words Foundation. I'm filling in for our normal host, Laura Ellsworth. I serve as the president of Healing Words Foundation and enjoy working with the Prairie Doc team of physicians um, as we plan for meaningful Prairie Doc programming to provide medical information to the public. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430 if you'd like to call in a question. Dr. Kelly Evans is with us today to answer your questions. Dr. Evans is a specialist in internal medicine, just like Rick was. Um, She works with the Vera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Evans. Good morning, Joni. Great to see you again. And I hear you have a guest with us. I see you have a guest with yeah, us today. Yeah, so it, it's funny because the first time I sat in this very studio, I was probably 22 or 23 years old. I was shadowing Rick before I went to medical school, and I showed up for hospital rounds, and here he's he just tells me to get in the car, and we're going to the radio, and I had no idea. And look at look at me now. I've got a student shadowing me today, Joni, and I did give him more warning than Rick gave me, though. (laughs) (laughs) So I've got Jake Devine with me. Jake recently graduated from SDSU, and he was um, a member of our Prairie Doc Assistant Program. Um, So I thought maybe we could just introduce that. That's a a group um, of pre-professional students at SDSU that help us with the Prairie Doc television programming and do some other volunteer work. So thanks for coming with me this morning, Jake. Yes, thank you, Dr. Evans and Joni, too. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Um, I guess they introduced the Prairie Doc Assistant Program. I was one of about 11 or 12 students that would help out each week putting on the show for Dr. Holm and then for the following four Prairie Doc physicians that helped um, after his passing. Uh, With that, we help answer calls each week from the viewers like yourself calling in and answer questions by email as well. And then as part of our outreach program, We go down to Flandreau, South Dakota, and tutor at the community center there and at the high school there, helping students um, through the pandemic with their studies in that way. So between those two things and being fortunate enough to talk to physicians each week and learn from them, it's a pretty great experience that I was fortunate to be a part of for the last two or three years. So thank you again for having me. Yeah, so I learned a little bit more after starting to host the show, but the periodic assistance is something that students apply for. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we have a lot of television viewers, but behind the scenes, typically we will have the host and the guest come about an hour before the show and we just sit and do a Q&A with our Prairie Doc assistant students, many of who are pre-medical or they might be pre-PA or some pre-professional uh, major and just do Q&A about career stuff, um, application advice, and and other sort of advising, which is a unique thing for our pre-med students to have access to, um, especially in a, a smaller town where we don't have a large medical community or a medical school. Um, and then, you know, the, the show, if anyone's watched, we do a lot of live question and answer. And the key to that is that we have our assistants behind the scenes answering phones, watching email and Facebook, and then transmitting us those questions in real time. So they help us actually put on the television show. It's great. And and really, I think it's interesting for uh, viewers, for listeners to just hear how much time it takes and and energy it takes. Because not only do we have the uh, pre-professional students, but we also have students in the studio who are running the sound and the teleprompter and some of them on camera. So it's 
a bigger project than sometimes meets the eye. Yeah, we definitely rely a lot on the, those students. And that was never more notable than last spring when, you know, in March, our students got sent home for the rest of the semester. And we, you know, it was the start of the COVID pandemic. And we really wanted to be able to put on shows for our viewers. Um, but we had to do it without all of our students. And it was a challenge. We had a skeleton studio crew. I was doing the telephone answering on shows that I wasn't hosting. You know, it was right. it was not it was a lot of extra roles to fill without right. our students there. Well, and as an advocate, I have to say thank you, Prairie Docs, because they do step up. And, of course, all of their production time and time on air is volunteer. Yeah. So it's pretty fantastic what we have going on. Mm-hmm. So, Jake, tell me a little bit about yourself as far as your next moves in your, your career. Yeah, going forward um, – after graduating this May, I've kind of worked on my application, taken my MCAT, and going forward with that, I was fortunate kind of once the pandemic started to wrap up to do some more shadowing, some more volunteering that was inaccessible during that time. Um, and then just going forward, continuing to work at those patient care jobs I've got, and hopefully come this fall, I'll be able to get a few interviews and go from there for medical school. Great. So, so yeah. that's the pro- the next step yep, is looking step. forward to, and it would be at least a year away. Yep. That'll it, be next fall is when mm-hmm. I'd start. So. Right. Okay. Well, we should take our first break. Um, we thank you for listening to the Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and our podcast. Call us at 605-692-1430 if you have medical concerns that you'd like for us to address. Uh, We will return after this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Heart disease is a term that includes several more specific heart conditions. The most common heart disease in the United States is coronary heart disease, or CHD. CHD occurs when the arteries that supply blood to the heart muscle become hardened and narrowed due to the buildup of plaque. The narrowing and buildup of plaque is called atherosclerosis. Plaque is a mixture of fatty and other substances, including cholesterol and other lipids. When plaque builds up in the coronary arteries, blood flow to the heart is reduced, which reduces oxygen to the heart muscle. This can lead to a heart attack. Other heart conditions include angina, heart failure, and arrhythmias. Talk with your provider about preventing heart disease today. Call the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500. Hi, this is Prairie Doc Radio, and I'm Joni Holm. We're here today with Dr. Kelly Evans to discuss your medical questions. We also have Jake Devine joining us, a student from SDSU. So give us a call if you'd like at 692-1430. Our upcoming television show this week is a... um, encore presentation of a dermatology subject uh, that Dr. Evans was the host of. So we thought we'd start with some dermatology discussion. So Dr. Evans, in general, what would you say for people to to do to protect their skin? Yeah. So, you know, the big thing, we're in the the middle of summer, lots of outdoor time. Um, The the biggest thing that a person could do is to protect your skin from the sun. And so that involves, you know, it can involve a number of things. Certainly it can involve uh, clothing, covering, wearing a wide-brimmed hat, all that stuff. You know, when it's 90 degrees, most of us don't want to be uh, fully clothed head to toe and might wear shorts or short sleeves or whatever. So 
sunscreen is of huge importance. And so when it comes to sunscreen, the important factors that a person should look for is the SPF. The SPF needs really needs to be 30 or greater to offer good protection. Below 30, it just doesn't offer adequate UV protection. Beyond 30, you don't you don't keep getting a ton of bang for your buck as you get the SPF 50 or 100 or whatever. So really, as long as it's above 30, it's it's probably pretty good. And then the guidelines really are to apply everywhere that's going to be exposed to the sun and then to reapply. You know, I think this is the toughest thing that most of us struggle with is the remembering to reapply at least every two hours. And I would say if you're out in the water, probably more frequently than that, just because that protection gets lost over time and probably washed away with sweat and water to some degree, even if you have a, quote, waterproof formulation. Right. Good advice, mm-hmm. right? No one likes a sunburn, and I, I just cringe to think of the sunburns I got sometimes as a kid when I, you know, was young and stupid, Joni. Now I'm old and wise. <laughs> well, we just didn't know about the sunscreen quite as much. Um, you know, certainly I grew, I grew up in Florida, and I didn't use sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, I, I don't know. I think there's some. Um, increased pigment that is somewhat protective i don't know if we can mm-hmm. we don't want to rely on that right. but um, we do need to wear our sunscreen whether you're light or dark mm-hmm. skinned uh, what other skin issues do come to mind that you'd like to discuss i feel like lately i've been getting questions from friends and family about just your typical summer skin issues so that might be like you know, rashes from the heat when you're out sweating and you might get a sort of a heat rash or, I, you know, kids that are spending days at the pool on end and, at, you know, after a few days of that, they just get sandpapery dry skin. For all of those things, definitely the sandpapery dry skin. I know, you know, my my co- my guest on the the encore tonight, um, Mandy Greenway, who's a good friend of mine. I don't even have to ask her, and I know exactly what she'd say. Just slather Vaseline on that dried out skin. You know, the chlorine and the the uh, water will just pull moisture out of the skin. So trying to get moisture back in with some petroleum jelly or Vaseline at nighttime is probably the best thing you can do if you do that for a handful of days it'll probably get back to its normal texture Um, and then as far as the heat rash probably just promoting a period of time where you're able to keep that area cool and dry is the biggest thing getting out of that wet swimsuit yeah which is uncomfortable does it help to rinse the chlorine off Probably, I mean, I think the chlorine probably pulls extra moisture out. So, you know, if, if you're if you've been swimming all day, don't just probably better to at least rinse and go to bed. You don't need to do anything special. Rinse, put some good uh, gentle moisturizer on and and stuff before you wait a whole day or whatever. And the other tip is is uh, applying that moisturizer when you're right after the bath, the shower. Yeah. Your skin is moist, it's warm, the pores are open, and you put that lotion on and it's more apt to soak in, to, to hydrate the skin. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. So really simple stuff. There's nothing real fancy or complex you have to do. You don't have to buy any expensive types of moisturizer, just something that's probably fragrance-free because you might be sensitive if you've been in the sun and the chlorine. Um, and like I said, Vaseline's probably king when it comes to the heavy moisturizers. Great, great. That's mm-hmm. good to know. Okay, well, uh, we should probably take that second break Uh Before we forget that, you've been listening to the Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK, and also it's available on our podcast. Call us at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns. Uh, 
our program today is available, as I mentioned, on podcasts, and we'll be right back after this information. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Cigarette smoking is the number one cause of lung cancer, but it can also be caused by other forms of tobacco like pipes and cigars or breathing secondhand smoke or being exposed to asbestos or radon. We also are concerned with people who have a family history of lung cancer. Lung cancer symptoms may include coughing that gets worse and doesn't go away, chest pain, shortness of breath, wheezing, and coughing up blood. Other illnesses that can cause these these symptoms should be investigated as well. If you have any symptoms, talk to your doctor. For help to quit smoking, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit cdc.gov slash quit. Your provider at the Avera Medical Group is a good resource to discuss lung symptoms. Call 697-9500 for an appointment. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Joni Holm, and we have Dr. Kelly Evans with us today to discuss your medical questions. Uh, we thought we'd come back and talk about insects and the possibility of bee stings or other insects. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to our usual summer insect problems, I mean, I, I don't want to glorify this drought at all, but I will say I don't know that I've had hardly a, more than one or two mosquito bites all summer, which has been a nice thing. Usually we're talking about mosquitoes and, you know, just the nuisance of having mosquito bites and, of course, West Nile, of which I think there has now been a confirmed case here. But, yeah, mosquito counts, I assume, are very low, generally speaking. As always, if that changes and we're seeing more mosquitoes or or pesky bugs, the key is mosquito repellent with Mm -hmm. DEET. DEET's the best we got. There are some natural things out there, but they just have not been shown to be as effective. Right. I've seen some biting flies, and I think, Mm -hmm. you know, it's worth a try. I'm not sure how well the DEET does, but Mm -hmm. especially ankles to to apply that. But yes, I agree. I feel wonderful about the mosquito situation, despite the drought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, What else... uh, if we had a bee sting, how yeah. how do you treat that? Yeah, so bee stings for most of us, you know, it's it's sort of that immediate stinging pain, and then you might get us anything from what looks like a normal bug bite to a larger welt for a reaction to the material that is on the stinger there. For most people, that can be treated pretty conservatively. You know, put ice on it a few times for a few days. Um, Take a cool shower if you're having more swelling. You can take an antihistamine if you do have larger welting or swelling. And certainly there are, you know, some people out there who have a true, more widespread anaphylactic allergic reaction to bee stings. A lot of those people know who they are, and hopefully they carry an, an epinephrine pen with them and uh, know how to use that. But, of course, there's there can be a first time for everything. So if you ever see a fr- family member or friend who, after a bee sting, starts looking pale, starts having difficulty breathing, has swelling in their mouth or tongue, that's a medical emergency and you should either call 911 or get them to the nearest emergency room ASAP because it can be life-threatening if not treated. Mm -hmm. I remember a friend calling after being stung um, like by five bees because she she hit something and was concerned about that. But 
you know, conservative treatment. Yeah. We, she didn't have any breathing problems. Yeah. We had her put the ice and, you know, in that case, we, I did recommend an antihistamine and she was fine. But it, it is frightening if you don't know. And, right. you know, would, yeah. would multiple bees cause more of a problem? Probably not if you don't, aren't a reactor. Right. Right. And like, yeah, that's kind of the difference between that local reaction, which is pretty normal, and the the scary anaphylactic reactions would involve shortness of breath. People can't have their blood pressure drop because of the shock that's induced in anaphylaxis. And so they might become dizzy or faint um, and that kind of thing. And honestly, if, if you witness something like that out in the community... Probably the the most reliable thing to do would be to just call nine one one because mm-hmm. probably an ambulance is going to get epinephrine to the site faster than you can safely get someone you know in your car to a right. medical provider. And in the meantime, get them laid down, feet yep. elevated, that yep. kind of thing, and get you know some ice or some cool on that sting might be helpful. Mm-hmm. So we'll yeah. hope that you avoid those. Yeah, hopefully you know I haven't I haven't seen a lot of pesky stinging bugs even with our flowers around you probably have a a little nest in my Uh. (laughs) i I struggle with but yeah i keep keep spraying them so yeah Yeah. okay um and the west nile is important even though we are not having the mosquitoes it can be a serious illness Mm -hmm. and so um the things to watch for with that i mean i i think about people just having a, a a fairly slow onset but just not feeling well yeah uh, weak yeah feverish the can be pretty um non-specific in west mm-hmm. nile at first so the, the severe form of west nile is involves the neurologic system and can cause encephalitis or swelling within the the brain and spinal cord tissues so people can actually have you know weakness numbness tingling altered consciousness that kind of thing in severe cases but that's a small percentage of west nile mm-hmm. more common people might have fevers, chills, body aches, fatigue, headache. more yeah, headache, non-specific viral syndrome type things. Um, and you know, they, we we certainly can test for that and but you're right, it's a little more subacute, so it might happen a week or two weeks after the the actual insect bite and that kind right. of thing. Mm-hmm. So something I think for that all of us need to keep in mind, because if you have this insidious illness, particularly in COVID, you're going to think everything else. So, you know, keep and tell your primary care person, yes, I was camping or I was exposed if that was the case. And I suppose we're all exposed somewhat but if you know you've had bites that's yeah. important right right they, and the, the other thing that sort of comes up along the, the lines of this conversation is also ticks and tick bites mm. and you know ticks are another good reason to think about your clothing and think about wearing deet when you're out and about but certainly we we see ticks Historically and generally speaking, the the particular tick that causes Lyme disease, which is the one everyone's worried about, right, is not very common in South Dakota. We generally have very few documented cases of Lyme disease every year in South Dakota, whereas Wisconsin has a lot. Minnesota kind of has a a medium amount. So that tick just tends to live a little further east. But it can happen here, certainly if you've traveled and been camping in Minnesota or elsewhere. It's a possibility. So, you know, the the classic sign of initial Lyme disease is at the site of the tick bite, you get this circular rash that can look like a bullseye around, around the tick bite. But but honestly, you know, if you're worried about it and you're at a site, you know, call your primary and just get some advice on whether you can come in. But just watch that tick bite site. Not every tick bite needs, you know, an antibiotic or something like that. Because, again, most of the like the wood ticks around here are not spreading disease. Right. But, right. mm-hmm. I, I've only had one case um, and I'm retired now. But when I was uh, working as a nurse practitioner of um, 
disease. Lyme disease. Yeah. There you go. Excuse me. I forgot. <laughs> and I loved it because the parent walked in and said, I think my child has Lyme disease. <laughs> I That's the best way to diagnose something when somebody gives you the answer <laughs> before you even look. And yes, and this child was tested, and they had been in northern Minnesota. Yeah. So it was indeed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, it, uncommon around here, so I don't think people should lose sleep over it. But good no. to make sure you get the tick adequately removed um, and, you know, just watch that tick bite site. And let's talk about how to remove it. Yeah. So the, the big thing is getting the mouth parts of the tick off the skin so you know there generally i think the recommendation is to sort of gently twist the and not jerk the tick off because then the mouth pieces can stay embedded and just cause a lot of irritation there so if you can use tweezers are, mm-hmm. are your best bet i mean i know we sometimes remove ticks with our fingers but you do wash your hands well if you remove it with your fingers and if you can use tweezers and then disinfect your tweezers <laughs> yeah yeah and when we're thinking about risk of you know something like Lyme disease it matters how long the tick has been on so if the tick is still small when you remove it probably it hasn't been there very long really low risk of causing disease if that tick is fully engorged and it's clearly been there for days on end the risk might be higher if it was the right kind of tick if you're curious, you can also, you know, it's not a bad idea to take a picture of the tick before you destroy it because it's a little easier to identify what type of tick it is, too. Right. Mm-hmm. And we have, of course, SDSU and uh, some scientists that can help us if we have questions. So yeah. that is a good idea to do that. Um, hopefully, you know, when you have animals, you're going to be watching them for ticks and then watching children. Uh, when they come in from the woods, if you've mm-hmm. been camping, it is nice to check their over their skin as yeah. you give them a, a, a bath before bed, maybe as you remove that deep before they go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good idea. Comb through their, their, their scalp, look in the places that you might not otherwise look, you know, on their bottom and that kind of thing. Right. Ticks like to hide in, in good little Warm. crevices and hide, hiding spots. So uh-huh. g- give them a look over if you're out camping or hiking or in a place where you might encounter those animals. Good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, one question we, we didn't discuss ahead of time, but have you seen any waterborne illnesses or is there concern when our, our area lakes get the nice green slime mm-hmm. on them? Yeah, I mean, the answer is no. When it comes to waterborne illnesses, certainly we, we get those ugly, kind of yucky-looking lake water. Um, but there's not a specific bacterial or, you know, protozoan waterborne human illness that it's typically caused by our freshwater lakes here that's good so i I mean i wouldn't advise drinking it joni but (laughs) i have heard of dogs getting sick and i i don't know if it's scientific or if it it, you know if maybe they are drinking that water Mm. and um you know you and i will probably stay out when it is the super green where the dog is going to go in right. to cool off. So, you know, might might just watch your pets if the mm-hmm. the lake is super green. And make sure you are offering them fresh water frequently when it's right. so hot out. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do our final break um, to remind you that this is Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK. And we also have a podcast that's available to you. And we're, we're uh, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Did you know that globally, pneumonia, an infection of the lungs, kills more children younger than five years of age than any other infectious disease such as HIV infection, malaria, or tuberculosis? In the United States, 1.3 million people were diagnosed with pneumonia in an emergency department during 2017. 
Unfortunately, about 50,000 people die from the disease each year in the United States. Most of the people affected by pneumonia in the United States are adults. Vaccines and appropriate treatment like antibiotics and antivirals can prevent many of the deaths globally and in the U.S. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Before we close up this, uh, this morning, we just want to talk about heat and heat illness. Um, and we are going to have some very high temperatures and high humidity today. So what advice, Dr. Evans, would you give to our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think the heat has definitely been the story of the year, not just locally. I think there were a lot of deaths attributed in, like, British Columbia and the Pacific Northwest this summer, where they just aren't typically equipped to handle such high temperatures. Most places that people live and work here locally, luckily, are are cooled and well-equipped. But, I mean, heat stroke, which can be deadly, actually happens when our body temperatures rise and in, in persistently in response to heat that's not, that's not controlled. So, really, you know, on a day like today when it's going to be almost 100 degrees out and so humid it's probably okay to stay inside or make sure that you have access to shade and aren't exposing your body temperature to those high temperatures for hours on end at least. Mm-hmm. But plenty of water, um, keeping your your skin is really what cools you. So exposing your skin to cool air is, is how our body naturally regulates its body temperature. It's kind of when it's not able to do that for too long that, that our bodies struggle with that. Um, you know, a dip in the pool or a cool shower after you've been outside might help your body re-regulate fans. temperature. Yeah, yeah, fans, that kind of thing. Um, but, you know, if you're able, it's going to be cooler as of tomorrow by the looks of it. Yes. So, you know, maybe we just avoid it for another day if everyone's doing well. <laughs> uh, some folks are out there working in this, so keep the I hydration know. going. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much for listening today. Uh, we would like to remind you that... Uh, On Thursday evenings, we have On Call with the Prairie Doc, which is on South Dakota Public Broadcasting each Thursday night at 7 o'clock. This week, our On Call is a rebroadcast of a segment with Dr. Mandy Greenway and Dr. Evans talking about skin conditions. So it's a very helpful and very timely topic. So please tune into that. We hope you enjoyed our programming and we'll listen again to KBRK and Prairie Doc Radio. And this message, our, our program is brought to you by Avera Medical Group Brookings. You can follow us on Prairie Doc at Facebook, on Facebook and on YouTube. For easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, go to www.prairiedoc.org. And look for our podcast. And thank you very much, Dr. Evans and Jake, for joining us today. And as Rick would say, stay healthy out there, people.